Welcome to the Breaking to Startups podcast, where we interview people who came from non-traditional backgrounds and broke into tech. On today's episode, we sit down with Elena Koros, who is working as a content strategist at Facebook. She has a huge appreciation for writing and journalism, which is why she majored in government and English studies while attending Georgetown University. Getting a job at Facebook was not an easy feat for her. During our chat, she discusses the importance of building relationships and having mentors which has helped her to get an internship that led to a full-time offer. If you're someone who comes from a writing background, on our previous episode, we had an amazing chat with one of Wikipedia's editors, Ben Creasy, who taught himself how to code before breaking into tech. So check it out. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Arch and Timo Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timo, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah. So tonight we're recording another episode out of Hack Reactor. Uh, we have a very special guest. It's about 8 p.m. on a Tuesday. Uh, we It's pretty quiet up here on, on the seventh floor at uh, Hack Reactor's campus. Uh, Usually there's people uh, doing whiteboarding problems or trying to build projects, but we're actually probably one of the later people to leave um, Hack Reactor after all the recordings are done. Uh, with that said, Ruben, can you please introduce our guest? Yeah, so we know a lot of writers, um, and we're sitting here with one of the dopest writers that I know. Her name is Elena Koros, and she's been writing. She came up from a family of writers. She was able to leverage her relationships to hustle into her position as a content strategist at Facebook. And she has a really exciting story with Actionable Steps. And Landa, can you please take us back to where it all started? Sure. So I've been writing for as long as I can remember. But when you ask me where it started, I'd really think back to diagramming sentences. And I don't know if all of you know what that is, but it's basically where you dissect sentences into their parts of speech and draw them out visually. And that's an exercise that I had to do starting in about the sixth grade. I had a nun teaching me English. Her name was Sister Christine. She's still one of my mentors today. And having always loved writing and writing short stories for as long as I could remember, it was really beautiful to me to see the written word in a structure. And that's something I was really good at. And it's something that I fell in love with. And all through my education from there, I continued writing. I focused on my English classes in high school, wrote for the high school newspaper. And as a junior in high school, I was fortunate enough to intern for the Stanford Daily at Stanford University. And that was another big point in my writing development. My first story that I wrote was actually an obituary for a man named Gerald Meyer. And an obituary might not sound that interesting, but to this day, it was one of the most rewarding writing experiences I've ever had. I got to interview his family members. I got to interview his colleagues. I got to go to the business school at Stanford and look back at, at tapes of him teaching, pull quotes from there. And what I realized after I wrote that story is that I missed this man who I had never met, that I got to be a part of his life even after he had died. And I think that's something that journalism really provides is it gives you an education in all different parts of life and gives you different experiences that you wouldn't otherwise have had the opportunity to experience. 
So moving into college, I knew that writing and journalism were things that I was really interested in. I ended up minoring in journalism, majoring in government. One of my favorite people in the world is a journalism teacher that I met there, a professor who really guided me. And I was able to intern at U.S. News and World Report at a law center that defended students for free on the basis of their freedom of speech, their First Amendment rights. I wrote stories for them advocating for these students. And then I applied for my internship at Facebook. I got the job and uh, now I'm working there full time, still writing a different type of writing than journalism, but I love my job. It's my dream job. That's awesome. And um, tell us a little bit more about uh, your college experience and how did you go about applying for internships and ultimately getting the job, your dream job? So it did not happen by accident. I would definitely say I applied. I really wanted to write and I really wanted to live on the West Coast where I'm from. I was raised in Burlingame, which is only about 30 minutes south of here. And when I was looking for internships, the first time I I was really looking for internships was the summer after my sophomore year. And I applied to at least 20 jobs and I heard back from one. And it was an email marketing company. And I was really hoping I'd get that job because it was the only one out of 20 that I heard back from. And after pursuing that application process, I did get the job. It was a wonderful learning experience. So then with that under my belt, I went into my junior year through the help of the mentor I mentioned, Barbara, who I'll probably mention again. Mentorship has been key in my journey. I was able to get the US News and World Report jobs, the Student Press Law Center job. And from there, I had a really good platform for applying for my junior year internship. I still applied for about 10 internships. I attended every single job job session, those career sessions they have on college campuses. Totally. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you prepared for those info sessions and just like knowing you, like you do a lot of diligence ahead of time. So tell us, tell our listeners what kind of research you did and what actions did you do at the meetings to build that relationship with the panel? That's a great question. So before going into every session, and I attend attended many, I blocked out at least a couple hours a day, almost every day for career search. I would make sure that I had my resume printed out and that it was specific and framed toward that info session that I was attending. And I always came prepared with a question to ask. So this took some time preparing questions and about 75% of the time there was no opportunity to ask that question. But for instance, with the Facebook internship, the Facebook career panel that was aimed toward internships, the question made all the difference. So it it did end up Do you remember what the question was? I do remember what the question was. So that was one of the bigger info sessions. There were probably more than 100 students in attendance. And I got up there to the microphone and I kind of questioned whether I should be there because most of the people there were looking for business opportunities. I was a journalism background. And I got up and asked, I'm a journalist. Journalism is evolving. It's changing. But like in a sense, it's, it's dying and tech is growing. How could a journalist contribute to tech? How could a journalist contribute to Facebook? Awesome. That's an amazing question. So um, tell us a little bit about what that question led to and then kind of how that led to an actual getting an offer to join Facebook. Sure. So the man who fielded the question, his name is Bengali, and he is a PM at Facebook. And what he talked to me about was content strategy, which is the role I'm in now. And he described how A lot of content strategists at Facebook had come from journalism backgrounds. He described the job to me that it was 
a strategy-focused writing role. And he encouraged me to look into it, and he provided me with some resources in that Q&A. Afterward, I actually went up to him. I had this resume. He didn't take it. (laughs) He was like, just email it to me. We talked briefly, and I ended up emailing him with my resume, and he responded, I could tell you're really bright. And I don't want to say this is your fault, but this resume is not up to par. But I'm happy to help you with your resume to walk you through this process. And I remember getting that message and I was at the gym and I looked at it. I was like, my resume is not up to to par. This is the end of the road. But really, it was just the start because we corresponded back and forth for months and months of months and months. He was really a champion uh, for me, a great mentor. I learned so much from him to the point where I felt like if I didn't get that Facebook job, I could get another one because I had learned so much from this mentor and I really appreciate him taking his time. Yeah. And for our listeners who are probably, some of them are probably graduating from college right now and they're probably looking for either internships or full-time jobs. What do you think made your resume better the second time around? And what advice did your mentor give you? That's a great question as well. I think that what's interesting is journalism is very verbal, obviously, but like very, very verbal. And the resumes I had written for journalism were very much about telling a story of one job to the next to the next. That was still important. But what he taught me was that there wasn't, I didn't quantify my achievements enough in my first resume. I didn't really sell myself. I didn't describe how my personal impact led to the achievement of goals of the companies or teams that I worked on. So he really walked me through that process. Another thing that he helped me with was he showed me a user experience crash course online, had me look at it, and then helped me transfer those skills onto the page of my resume in a way that related to my job experience. What was the name of that crash course? I think it's called the UX crash or U I can't even say it now. UX crash course. And what is it internal at Facebook? No. It's an online free resource. Like at Udemy? Uh, I don't know exactly, but I could send you the link. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll include it in the show notes. It sounds like you're not only a talented writer, but you use writing to express yourself emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about how uh, you've used that or, or how that's helped you get to where you are today? Absolutely. So when I was growing up, I had a difficult time socially and I was bullied from a really young age up through my middle school. And so I turned to writing a lot to express my emotions. And I turned to writing as an outlet a lot of the time. And I really fell in love with writing and reading. And moving forward after my middle school years, I actually attended an institute called the Girls Leadership Institute, which was started by Rachel Simmons, author of Odd Girl Out, Odd Girl Speaks Out which are pretty famous books about bullying and articulate self-expression. And what's really interesting about articulate self-expression, as you could probably figure out from the term, but it's about communicating in a way that really tells what you're thinking and what you'd like to communicate. It also is about communicating in a way that other people can understand. And I would say that's key to journalism and that's key to content strategy. I was just in Mumbai a couple of weeks ago with Facebook uh, for a research session. And a big part of my job was figuring out how to communicate to people in Mumbai, some of whom were new to the internet in a way that they could understand in a way that was accessible to them. That's awesome. So it sounds like you were able to use the writing skills and 
just the empathy required to be a good journalism journalist to reach out to people who don't probably don't even speak English in a different continent, and you were able to um, kind of turn the insights into an actual product, which you guys are going to be building at Facebook. Tell us a bit more about the role of a content strategist and what you guys do. So when you hear the word or the term content strategist, there's two words there. The second is strategist, strategy. And so that's a big part of my job, starting with research. I was just, as I said, in Mumbai, researching problems, what people might need, um, challenges they face on the site already, figuring out how you could address them. So from there, we are go into a design phase. So figuring out what these features and products will look and feel like, how they could meet those needs. And then we go into an execution phase, and that's where the content part really comes in. So uh, writing the words that you'll actually see on the feature and naming the product should it need a name. So when you think of uh, Facebook, there's products that are named like Newsfeed and Messenger. Those are the types of names we're talking about. Got it. Got it. And it, and it sounds like, you know, a lot of the things that you're doing related to strategy and content, you're leading. And you talked about the, the leadership course that you took. And something else that was interesting is that you decided to minor in journalism and focus on government. Why did you do that? And how did those leadership skills translate into what you're doing today? Absolutely. I decided to major in government because government fascinated me. I was in Georgetown, the heart of politics. DC is the heart of politics where Georgetown University is. And one of the first courses I took was called Women in, in American Politics. And it was taught by Donna Brazil, famous journalist. And we talked a lot about female leadership, why it's important, about the barriers that women specifically face in leadership, that we undermine ourselves and our worth, that we don't see ourselves as qualified, even when we're overqualified and meet clear expectations. So that was something I'm interested in. I'm still very interested in leadership. I've always described myself as a personal leader. So I try to lead in the way that I act, in the way I present myself. And I hope that someday, well, I, I would say I've already done some leadership in my jobs as well. But I hope that as I grow in my career, I continue to lead and I continue to find leadership opportunities. So as a content tra- strategist, are you always secondary to a decision maker or do you make decisions sometimes? That's a really good question. We're supposed to be the lead content deciders on our team. So I do lead in content. A lot of the time, or at least sometimes, I face a lot of opposition in the words I decide to use. I'll face pushback on my reasoning. And that's something with that I, I do struggle with is being assertive even when people, or especially when people are trying to overstep what's supposed to be my domain. Yeah. And it sounds, uh, it actually reminds me of a, a few conversations we have with designers where a good designer not just creates something, but they could also explain the rationale and the reasoning and explain how this is going to resonate with the user. So it sounds like there's a lot of parallels with, your, with what you do as well, because it's not just kind of coming up with a word. You also have to explain and prove to the rest of the team why they should go with your word versus uh, something else that someone, someone, uh, another person on the team wants to use. Tell us more about the teams you work with and what kind of interactions do you have on a daily basis with uh, your teammates? That's a good question. I work very closely with designers. I'm actually considered a designer at Facebook, but I design words, whereas the designers design visuals and we both design user experience. 
I also work with engineers daily because engineers are often the ones who put in the strings is the technical term that I write. That's something I'd love to learn to do myself, but there's a lot of collaboration with engineers. PMs, product managers, guide the whole group. I'm on a product team, so I work very closely with them as well. And I work with a lot of content strategists constantly, iterating on my content, learning from people who are senior to me and have a lot of experience, and also helping them with their work. We all try to look at each other's work and back each other up. Nice. That's really cool. So for our listeners... Um, and research. Shout <laughs> yeah. out to research. Shout out to research. Major content. <laughs> User experience research? Yes. Awesome. So in the beginning um, or in the pre-interview, you mentioned that content strategy is your dream job. What makes it your dream job? What aspects of it do you like the most? When you wake up in the morning, Like, what makes you get up and do this job? Well, when I got into journalism, I thought that was it. Like, I love journalism so much. And when I got to Facebook, I was a little skeptical about, you know, like, I have this job. I'm so excited to be working for Facebook, but will this be my passion? I'm not doing long form writing. And I am at least equally passionate about content strategy now. I do consider it my, my dream job because I do get to write still, but I get this brand new skill set, which is leading, as we've talked about working on a product team, which is so awesome. I learn so much every day and the words that I write have the potential to reach a billion people, Mm -hmm. which is mind blowing for me. So every day on the job is an absolute pleasure. I am working with some of the smartest people in the world and we're building a site that I really do think connects people and makes the world more open. Nice. That's a great, great answer. Yeah. So do you still have outlets to do any long form writing? Are you doing that on the side or how are you thinking about where you want to go next? That's a good question. I have been thinking about that a lot. I've been really busy with my new job, so I haven't been doing as much long form writing as I'd like. I'm really excited about something coming up. Back in October, I went to Baltimore where my my grandfather immigrated uh, when he came from Greece and he came over illegally and he jumped ship. He was on an Onassis ship. He's of Greek heritage and like so illegal immigration. And a family there sheltered him and got him on his way to California, where our family has grown. And so I went to Baltimore and I went to write an investigative piece about the family who sheltered him. So he actually didn't know the name of the family. He didn't know very many details at all, except for that the father was a restaurant owner. So I went back, looked through obituaries, uh, found people who sounded like the person who may have taken in my grandfather and made some serious progress, went over there with no contacts, did a lot of investigative work and actually wrote a story. So I'm going back in about a month and I'm continuing my journalism work. Really excited for that. And I've also been doing some creative writing on my own. That's great. And um, we meet a lot of writers, as I mentioned in the beginning. And there's a lot of people that want to do the same thing that you did and you followed a, a novel approach. But if you were going to mentor someone, you talked about what it is like to be a good mentee. So we want to learn a little bit more about what it's like to be a good mentee, given that you had so many mentors. And then like, what are the steps that you would give that mentee in order to get to where you are right now? Absolutely. I think that mentorship is one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's great because if you're having a successful relationship with a mentor, it shouldn't feel like work. It should feel like a friendship almost. And you should be giving just as much as you're receiving and it should come naturally. 
And so all of my mentors that I have, and I have been blessed with really great mentors, I haven't been seeking out a mentor. I would just go into office hours like with Barbara, who I've talked about, and uh, let her know that I loved her lecture and ask her questions that came from interest and curiosity. And with time, I talked to her. I sent her articles I think she'd enjoy. And that's a really good place to start with a mentor to say, I saw this and I thought of you and I thought you'd be interested in it. Let me know what you what you think about it. You know, that's a conversation starter. You're giving something. And then with time, I think that you could ask for career advice, but often it's offered. And I think a big part of it as well is once you get your big break, like my US News and World Report internship, it doesn't end there. I would go back, tell Barbara about it every single week, offer to help other students get the same internship. Yeah. And something else you talked about while your internship was treating it like it was your first day every day. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that experience? Sure. I think that I've been super privileged with my education, with the time and energy that people have invested in me. So when I've gotten these opportunities, especially my Facebook internship, I went in every single day, not just with my own ambition of I want this job, but knowing like I want to do this for my dad and my mom who spent so much time editing my work and giving everything to my education. I want to do this for Barbara and Bengali and Sister Christine who taught me how to diagram sentences. I'm going to go every single day and prove myself and get this job. And now that I have the job, I feel a lot more relaxed. Treating every day like an, an interview is really stressful. but. I still feel like I owe a lot to the people who have invested in me. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's great. And so, making sure that we're grateful for our positions and we don't take them for granted, making sure that we're giving things back to our mentors is really important. And then, like, if someone wanted to get to where you are today, you mentioned that you started reading up about content strategy. And what were some of the books that you read? So, what I did was so when. Bengali mentioned content strategy to me. I had never heard of it. So I ordered books online. I just searched content strategy in Amazon. And one was content strategy for the web. I also read The Facebook Effect. There was another content strategy book, which I'll make sure to send you guys so you could link to it. And what I did was I read through a first time each of these books, specifically the content strategy ones. And every time that I identified a skill that I already had, I would highlight it and I would write out when I specifically used that skill. So part of content strategy is audits. You look through a website and you make sure that content is consistent and it makes sense in a bigger information architecture, that it corresponds with the way that someone would actually use a site and think through a site intuitively. So when I saw audits in the content strategy book, no, I had never completed an audit, but I had written a lot of features in which I had to use standards. I had to use the AP style book. I had to make sure that those features made sense on blogs and websites and in the scheme of work that was on any publication. So I wrote that in. And even if it wasn't a direct comparison, when someone asked me, have you completed an audit? I could say, you know, no, I haven't done a a formal content strategy audit, but I have audited a blog, you know, and this is how I did it. So translating the skills you already have. Yeah. And a lot of the time for our listeners, when someone asks you a question, they don't just want to hear an answer of like, yes, I did auditing. They, what you were doing, which was right, was taking your interviewer through the process of what steps did you follow? Why did you follow that step? What was the rationale behind it? 
And by explaining that process, you're showing them that things strategically you can execute and you're putting a lot of thought into it. And most of the time, that's actually what they're looking for. Absolutely. And one thing I told the recruiter afterward was, you know, like she told me I did so well in my in my interviews. And I said, you know, like you really should link to these books on the recruiting web page because I think then everyone could do well. She said, we don't link to those for a reason. We're looking for people who found the books and took their own time to do that work. So make sure you check out the show notes if you want to get into this role. And given the um, content strategy trajectory, what does a career trajectory look like? You know, you start off at content strategist and how does it progress? That's something really interesting because content strategy is a new field. It started in the 90s. So I think there's still a lot of room to define what a content strategy career looks like. I think that within content strategy, you could have a decades-long career. Growth within my organization looks like either going into a manager track or overseeing content in a more, I think, a more strategic way, deciding what are our tone standards? What are the standards for content itself? What does a good content strategy organization look and perform like? I think for me, I'd be interested in that track or potentially a product management track. I haven't really looked into that yet, but I love that part of my job when I'm leading and I'm taking research and things that I'm learning and pulling them together into a strategic plan, which sounds a lot like journalism. Oh, and it sounds like one of those great roles that gives you the flexibility where you can work on something and stay in that direction your whole life if you want to. But if you want to lateral over into design or product management or even law, because sometimes the language that you're using has to be vetted. And if you have a political background, which a lot of writers do, that might be something that you could roll over into within a company. Absolutely. Awesome. What is, uh, I'm just curious, you mentioned there's a lot of uh, content uh, strategists at Facebook. I guess, what are their backgrounds? A lot of, are a lot of them journalism majors or have they stumbled into this career from all sorts of paths? And what are some examples? All sorts of paths. So there are actually a few government majors, mm-hmm. which I think that would be because you think of in government, you're reading theories and you're distilling them into actionable ideas. And with content strategy, you're taking research and a body of information and data and analytics and distilling it into those maybe five words that need to communicate an idea. A lot of people come from journalism. That's a very common one from library sciences and communications backgrounds. I'm trying to think I've been surprised and really impressed by the variety of backgrounds that lead to content strategy. That's awesome. And it's great for our listeners because if you're interested in writing or like the spoken word and that's something that interests you, then, hey, there's a lot of different options of breaking in and you should just explore and get those books that you recommended and just learn more, learn as much as you can, and then start applying for jobs. I guess we're going to move on to the lightning round. Timur, do you want to tell us about it? So at this point in our podcast, we do the lightning round. And that's where Ruben, Arthur, and I, we're going to ask you several questions. We're looking for questions that will emphasize any tactics, strategies, um, resources that you've used to get to the point where you are today. With that said, Arthur, take it away. Yeah, so this uh, question takes you back to the basics. So imagine if you had to start all over again, you just moved to a new city, you don't have a lot of money, let's say you only have $100, and you're trying to start from scratch again and get to the place where you are now, what steps would you take and how would you spend that $100 to get yourself off your feet? 
Okay, I think I would probably not spend the $100 and just go somewhere. If I had to get back on my I would walk into a restaurant that looked interesting to me or hang out on a dock or something and listen. And I would look for a story because that's what I'm trained to do. That's what I'd love to do. And then from there, use the $100 to pursue that story. So I think that investigative features are everywhere. A lot of the time, they're not where um, we're looking because those are the stories that aren't told yet and the ones that need to be told. So if I was in a city, I'd look for a story. And once I found it, I would pursue it and I'd write it and I'd publish it somewhere. Anyone could be a writer now with the internet, right? So and blogs and medium. And I think from there, like I think you're writing, you could stand, always stand on your writing. So basically kind of build your portfolio piece and then use that to get the next step, which yes. is get people's attention and move on. Awesome. Yeah. So take us back to some of the, um, the darkest moments during this journey. So uh, when you were, you know, rejected from some of those companies that you wanted to go to, or I know you got your dream job now, but when you were being bullied, uh, we talked about expressing yourself. What was, did you listen to any music? Did you watch a movie? Did you read someone else's writing that inspired you or helped you break through that roadblock? You know, the first thing that jumps to mind would be when I didn't feel confident in myself and I, I felt insecure or bullied, I would automatically turn to my mentors. I did read Rachel Simmons' books with my mom, who, again, started the Girls Leadership Institute. She became someone that I really still to this day admire. I turned to my fourth grade teacher, who was also one of my writing mentors. So I think naturally for me, my best coping mechanism for the darkest times or the, the toughest times is to turn to other people who could guide me. Yeah. And it's actually okay to be vulnerable, right? And if you have mentors, you have people in your life who you trust, going to them with your problems and giving them opportunity to advise you, that's something that everyone naturally wants to do, like kind of give back. And that's not only helps you get through the hard situation, also strengthens your relationship. So I think that's great that you brought it up as a, that's what you did. Awesome. Yeah. So the next question that uh, we like to ask is, having been on this journey, for someone who is maybe still in college, they're looking for that internship or they're looking for that first job out of college, what is the one piece of advice that you would give them? I think that you need to be confident in your own talents and ability. And if you're getting rejected, it says nothing about your talent Mm -hmm. or what you can do. It says everything about how long you've been trying and what the effort you're putting in. So something that I think speaks to that is Bengali, who I talked to at Georgetown about Facebook. He told me that he gave that same, I want to fix your resume offer to um, at least 10, maybe 20 kids. And I was the only one that took him up on, on it. So I think that you just have to keep trying, making those relationships. And once you get that relationship started, follow through. People want to invest in you when you show that you're willing to put in the effort. And a lot of times things that seem like a rejection are actually an offer to help. Absolutely. And that was just tough love. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of the times if you do get a rejection and you are in that those early days when you're just sending out your first few applications, I've known people who will just follow up and say, I know I didn't get the job, but can you tell me why? Or can you tell me what I can do better with my other like offers or with other applications? And most of the times, 
there's people on the other side. So they'll just respond. They'll try to help you. And who knows, you might be able to turn a no into a yes. Yeah. And going through that interview process, you learn more about yourself. You learn more about what you don't know. It makes you stronger. And um, a lot of times those skills during the interview are what you use on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. And I think there too, you could even frame it positively of thank you so much for this opportunity. Please let me know if I could help you in any way. Think of the the skills that you bring, what you could Mm -hmm. actually offer this person who's helped you. And then say something like, if there's an event you ever think I should attend or that you could invite me to, please keep me in mind. Yeah. Really positive. Yeah. That's awesome advice. What is one thing that you fundamentally believed in before you started this process that you changed your mind on being through this process? I think being at Facebook, one thing that blew my mind, coming in as a 20-year-old intern, I thought tech, like the best and the brightest, they've thought of everything. Like I just need to go in and do my job. And the things that I think of have probably been thought of before. That was untrue because coming in as a young woman, I brought a lot of perspectives and opinions that weren't present at the predominantly male company and where people were a little bit older than me. So I brought the perspective of having a teenage sister. I brought the perspective of having been bullied and social media being kind of a scary place for me sometimes. So I think that I've really learned is to voice my opinion and oftentimes it's valued and oftentimes it's applauded and called out. And related to voicing your opinion, you shared a story about questioning when you don't know something. Can you talk about that? Oh, absolutely. So Barbara, my journalism mentor, is a very accomplished journalist. I think she's famous, though she denies it sometimes, but I think she is. And she told me that when she first started out in journalism, she didn't know some of the big name journalists. And sometimes she felt embarrassed about that. But she asked people who they were. She learned that one time, instead of not knowing for a long time, And actually, one of the journalists that she didn't know who he was, she ended up ghostwriting one of his books. So um, she really made it up there. And that's something that I think about a lot. When I'm in a meeting, I don't come from a tech background. I don't know what some of these terms mean. But if I ask once, then I know. And I don't have to be subpar or uninformed for more than that one second. And a lot of times the answer to that question is an answer that other people in the room wanted to hear. They were just too scared to say it. Absolutely. And And no one thinks down on you. That's something I've learned at Facebook. I'm a content expert. You know, people look at me as an expert in that. The engineers are experts in code. I'm empowered to ask them about their expertise just as as they are empowered to ask me about mine. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That was really helpful. And then last question, can you share one online resource or a few online resources that you feel would be most helpful for someone going through this journey outside of media? That's a really good question. I think for me, I mean, tech publications like Recode are really good to read and stay current on what's going on in tech. That UX crash course I mentioned was invaluable for me. I think other than that, read things that you're interested in because that's probably your passion and that probably will inform you toward a job that you'll actually want. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show. And what is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Because you shared so many nuggets and I'm sure there's going to be people with questions. Are you on your social media, LinkedIn, Twitter? I'm on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook? <laughs> no, I'm on Facebook, but you could also email me. My email is 
Elena, my first name, E-L-A-I-N-A at fb.com.com. And I also have a outdated personal website, which is my first and last name.com. Elena Koros, E-L-A-I-N-A-K-O-R-O-S.com with my writing samples if you want to look at what journalism and a journalism career looks like. Awesome. And and we'll include not just the links to that, but maybe some samples that you would like us to share on the website as well. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.